You're tuned into the Dab Podcast, presented by the Wide World of Rome and hosted by Andrew Romanella and Anthony Rinaldi. You can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. All that we ask is when you're done, please rate, review, and share this podcast with a friend, as well as reach out to us on social media at Dab Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, and welcome in to the 81st edition of the Dab Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Romanella, and with me, Always my partner, Mr. Anthony Rinaldi. Andrew, what the hell is AB going to do next? Mr. Rinaldi, can you believe that as we have this conversation, Antonio Brown is a New England Patriot? Uh, Listen, the NFL, I I, I couldn't believe what happened. I mean, I thought he'd be suspended by the Raiders. I thought he'd at least play for the Raiders. But then he knocks out, they, they, they knock out his guaranteed money. He says, release me. And sure enough, who, who's there waiting in the wings with open arms with TB12? And I'm not surprised at all. We'll have plenty of time, ladies and gentlemen, to dive into the football realm because we had week one of the NFL season over the weekend and into Monday. There was a lot that happened, a lot that we're going to dive into. But you know that we start this podcast off with the New York state of mind. And there's a lot going on for both New York baseball teams, but... This podcast, I know, is released on Thursday, September 12th this week. But it would behoove us, Anthony, if we didn't take a second as we record this show on September 11th to just quickly remember and take a second to remember that day and the people that sadly lost their lives on September 11th and what that day, Anthony, and I know you did a lot on social media today, you were talking about it a lot, but open up the floor to you on kind of what that day means to you and, and your remembering process. September 11th, 2001, a day truly that will live in infamy. I was a sophomore in high school in third period math class when the South, when the, when the North Tower fell, the second tower. Um, and it was just, I, I, I remember vividly sitting in math class, uh, an announcement came over the PA system you know, explaining that, uh, you know, basically that everybody go home, you know, call your, call your parents, the, the school's closed, you know, go home, figure it out. You know, we all ran to, the, I ran to my, my friend's house, he lived a block away from school. We turned the news on, sure enough, you, you saw the replays of the, of the planes flying into the buildings and then all of a sudden everything collapsing. And uh, I would see sophomore in high school, what was I, 16 years old? Uh, not really sure what was going on, what, was, what, what it really meant. Uh, obviously, I knew it was bad, uh, and then you start to see, you know, all the horror stories. Uh, but for me, I mean, sports really came into into the limelight. Uh, you know, baseball canceled all its games. You know, following a week following 9/11, just kind of make sure that it was safe to go back into this, you know, go back into a public setting. Because uh, you know, for for a time there, America, we were kind of we were kind of shell shocked, right? Like we didn't know. If we could go out, you know, we didn't know if you know, more planes were going to come, you know, falling from the sky. So as a nation, we were just kind of just 
you know, up and on. And I know you as a Mets fan, Andrew, this has to hit home for you. But that home run that Mike Piazza hit 10 days later uh, really just kind of really sealed the deal for me with, with, with baseball and with sports in general uh, as, as a time of healing. You know, I gave the fans something to cheer about, uh, even though, you know, 3,000 people just lost their lives. You know, innocent people just lost their lives. Uh, and it's just it's crazy to me to think that was 18 years ago today, yeah. Andrew. And that's a great point on how sports during that time helped so much. And for me, I think so much about the heroes of that day, that some that are still living with us, some that unfortunately lost their lives, but the people that were willing to run towards the issue, the situation, rather than the people that ran away, and that maybe they were able to save lives when they couldn't save their own. And for me, that's what this day means the most. And we talk to our guys at practice about, you know, you're always going to come out and practice hard, but today, think about the, those 3,000 people that lost their lives and, and how precious every single day is, and you have to take advantage of every single day. And I think about those heroes and what they did for us and, and how they proved what American, what being American means. And then for sports to be able to give people an opportunity to get back to normalcy, to just feel normal for two and a half hours, locked in with your fellow Patriots, your your fellow countrymen, and to be able to feel what what living in the greatest country in the world meant, and of course there were great moments. Mike Piazza, um, I believe it was President George W. Bush throwing out the first pitch. Um, he think, a heater, Andrew. He did, he and cheese. there's right a the pipe, there, there's a documentary about it, and and how he talked about how big that moment was. But I just did not want to do this episode on this day, and I'm ha- I have chills right now, uh, speaking about it. And I was living in California, Aunt, so I was three hours behind. So when I woke up for school, everything had just already happened, and it was about six thirty in the morning, and it's just it's just crazy to think eighteen years later that 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 day. It, those, some, those people should never be forgotten, and we should always remember. And I think for us to take a few minutes and everyone to take a few minutes to, to really think about that, um, I, I think is, is super important. Yeah, and I, I shared this, this video. I'll, I'll put it on the DAB Twitter so everybody else can see it out there. It's a gentleman by the name of Wells. Uh, I'll say his name is Wells Crowther, whatever his name is, uh, his last name. Um, he was a avid lacrosse player, uh, lived up in Nyack. Just really, he just his the, story. The guy with the red long. bandana. The red bandana, exactly. Yeah. I read about my uncle Tom Rinaldi. Not really my uncle, but we'll go with it. And it's just honestly, I watched it 17 times today, and every all 17 times I cried, yeah. like a little, like a little, like a little baby. Yeah. Um, just, just to imagine, just to, if, and, and, I, and I, I said, if, if, if all of us had a little bit of wells in us, you know, it'd all be a better place. This world be a better place, and. Honestly, as bad as September 11th was, I mean September 12th it was one of the one of the better days in our nation's history, as an entire nation came together to try to rebuild. To, to, that started the rebuild, you know that that took place in New York City, some faithful 18 years ago. And it really reminds you that when we talk about sports and that we play sports. It is the, it's, it's the candy shop. Michael K. says it all the time. We are very lucky to have sports as a realm, and we are very th- thankful for the people that fight for this country and put their lives on the line to give us an opportunity to do this. And I think getting into the, the Mets and the Yankees is a good little segue off of that because I think both of those teams then played a huge, huge piece in rebuilding that 
um, feeling of togetherness in our country. And I think that the reason that two New York teams could do that is, one, of course, because of the location of where the World Trade Centers are, but two, because of the, the national stage that they both play on. And I think about this all the time. Like, New York teams are always going to get so much more scrutinized and they're get so much more talked about and so much more press because of the media market. And that is why everything that you do here, it almost matters that much more because of how many people are always watching. New York style for everybody. You know, we can run through a litany of <laughs> athletes, pro, pro athletes who sign large contracts who are you know, great ball players. They just kind of flaked out here in New York because – either a the pressure or or you know b the media and it's the, the, the fans expect a lot and actually you know unfortunately that year i believe that was the kurt schilling luis gonzalez years out there in arizona that beat was. New York yankees in the 2001 world series do you believe that that's that a struggle for a lot of new york teams and like that spotlight where you know and i'm not even just talking because i know a lot of times with this scenario we talk about the knicks because people talk about the mecca of basketball but i'm talking about any sport like even like the islanders like do you think that players think about that if all fields were created equal and all stadiums were the same and do you believe that guys maybe i don't know if it's second guess the opportunity to sign in new york but definitely see that as a concern you know times change a lot you know i, I believe a lot of guys came to new york in the 60s and 70s so you can make that money in, in, in advertising. But you know, nowadays, athletes with social media and how much exposure they have, they don't have to play in New York to get the big money. Uh, you know, look at uh, Kevin Durant out in Oklahoma City when he first started. There may be, what, a, a dozen reporters at his locker after a game. Uh, and then they made one lousy comment about him. They made KD made the reporter retract his statement and, like, like have an apology letter sent, you know, in the newspaper the following day. Like, in New York, you're going to have, like, 40 to 60 media members crowding your locker. You know, the back pages are all slander towards your teams. You know, everyone's trying to get a tabloid. So, yeah, I think I think there comes a lot of pressure that comes playing in New York. And a lot of athletes, you know, are, aren't built for it. And, uh, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, that's just the way it is here in New York. And we have so many different teams to choose from that if your team's not producing, you know, there's some, there's some Fairweather fans that just kind of jump around to what team's doing better what, you know what I mean? And that's why I give a lot of credit to what the current New York Metropolitans, Anthony, are doing. Because the noise that they were hearing after the All-Star break, how bad they were playing, the noise that their GM was being, the shade that was being thrown his way, and for them to be able to stay what I would consider mentally strong enough to keep fighting for the what they believed in, to keep pushing forward to keep trying to become a better ball club to now be in a position where even though you lose two or three against the Phillies, you're playing really good in this series against the Diamondbacks, and somehow you're still staying in the mix in the wild card. And I think that all comes down to Ant being able to probably quiet out that noise you're talking about, those back page tabloids, ripping you, ripping your GM, putting your head down, caring about your teammates in the locker room, and not worrying about everything that's being said outside of it. Yeah, and I mean, listen, I don't know if you – I'm sure a lot of teams say they don't they don't read the papers, they don't listen to the noise, but I mean it's hard not to. And I know a uh, former athlete, New York Boomer Size, and always talks about on the radio about how the athletes don't read the paper, but the family members of the athletes read the paper and, and hear the sports talk media, so they kind of go back to, the, to you know to their family and say, hey, this guy's ripping you, that guy's ripping you. But I think you hear it through back channels, and you see it, and, and sometimes people react to it in a positive way. Sometimes they go into a shell and, you know, they just, you know, curl up into a field position. 
and the season's over. But for your Metropolitans, Andrew, I think they're three games out as we speak. Uh, so they're you know, they're hunting. They have to beat Arizona. That's one team in front of them. Philly is a team in front of them. The Cubs are a team in front of them. They're playing some pretty lousy baseball right now. So with these next three weeks of the season, I mean, three games, Andrew, that's nothing. I mean, hell, you guys blew seven games in a week, right? Right. And that's just crazy. You think they've had so many bad losing streaks throughout this year. They've had a six-game losing streak within the last three weeks, but yet there they are. And I keep saying to myself, is it too little, too late? But for some reason, Ant, the word that resides with this team is resiliency, and they're going to keep being resilient, and they're going to keep fighting. And as a Mets fan, with some of the history that we've dealt with, over the last five years, can I really be that mad? No, man, I can't because for three of those last five years, this team has given me something to watch in September. And truthfully, that's really, I feel like, Anthony, all I can I can ask for. And I'm super pumped about it, and I'm excited about these last three weeks of the baseball season from a metropolitan standpoint. Yeah, you have to be amped up to play off baseball. I mean, this, this, is what, this is what all the guys are playing for. This is what he played 162 games for. You know, they're roughly at the 144-ish game mark, so they're – you know, they're going through it. They're tired. You know, they don't want to play regular season baseball anymore. And with that pitching staff, you know, if, if, if Syndergaard can ever figure out throwing the ball with Wilson Ramos, and if Stroman can ever figure it out as a net, uh, I mean, listen, that, 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 that rotation is deep. Sure, your bullpen is rocky, but you, you got to like Seth Lugo. You know, Justin Wilson gave you two, two great innings the other night. Uh, so as long as you don't go to Diaz or Familia, you should be fine. And, I mean, that offense is... That offense is clicking right now. A lot of young talent that looks really good. How do you feel about your Yankees right now? Andrew, the sky is falling. We lost to the worst team in baseball. <laughs> oh, my God. Listen, what are you going to say? Uh, you don't play Judd. You don't play Sanchez. And you you, put, you pitch Chance Adams in the ninth inning. Were you trying to lose the game? No. But if you score 11 runs, Andrew, you got to think you're going to win that. Most of the nine out of ten times, you're going to win those games. Uh, it's unfortunate we lost. Uh, no harm, no foul. Houston lost as well last night. Uh, it would have been nice to gain a game on them for the best record, but we didn't lose any ground in that aspect. And we move on. Uh, last, uh, September 11th game got rained out, so we'll have a, we'll a, a day-night doubleheader tomorrow. So it is what it is, Andrew. But for me, uh, CC's coming off the, off the IL. I don't know what that means. Because he's always going, he's on, he's on the, he's on the IL, off the IL, on the, on the IL, off the IL. Other dudes going on the IL, though. Yeah, listen, it looks like we lost Toxin and Hicks for the season. That's not going to be good. You know, we once had a lot of issues in the outfield. Who are you going to play? Who's going to sit? And sadly, it's playing itself out now that we're going to need a guy who's only played nine games all season in John Carlos stand. He's going to have to be a main stay in our outfield when it comes to playoff time. So hopefully he's ready. And uh, yeah, obviously you got Brett Gardner, old man veteran, he's there. Uh, we'll have to rock with Cameron Maven, obviously Aaron Judge. And, uh, you know, that's what it is, Andrew. We're just going to have to... We're going to have to do it with, with Stan, and Judge, and Garner. Those are going to be your three outfielders. Isn't it kind of crazy that we're sitting here saying that the loss of Talkman is actually big time when you didn't even know who that dude was when you broke spring training? That's how great of a season he's actually been having and how well he filled in when you had so many injuries early. Uh, I mean, there's another feather in the Brian Cashman hat. The dude picked him out of off the Colorado Rockies roster beginning of the year before the season started. And, you know, he, when he jumped Clint Frazier, everyone was like, oh, my God, what are they doing? You know, Clint Frazier's bat. He, he's the, Clint Frazier was, had the hype train. But, yeah, you're right. Mike Cochran has been an ace uh, for this Yankees uh, outfield, and he will be missed. But as, as, as it's been the Yankees moniker all year, 
next man up. And frankly, John Carlos Stan better be well rested, only playing you know nine games all season. Uh, I hope that uh, he's ready to rock and roll when it comes time for um, you know October baseball, and he should get about two weeks worth of that bat and live pitching. You know, end the regular season. Will it be enough? I don't know, but he's a once national MV, uh, you know, NL MVP, so hopefully he finds the old swing, Andrew. That is your New York State of Mind today for episode 81. A little bit more of a sentimental New York State of Mind, and rightfully so, but it is pretty cool that both baseball teams are giving us something to watch down the stretch and a lot of fun baseball to watch from both New York teams. All right, and here's the deal. I have been doing uh, some question segments with you recently, and I thought today would be another good day to do some question segments. We gave the fans off for this episode. We said, hey, we'll fill in the fan interactions. We'll do a cool question segment. You guys just take the week off. They said, thanks. We really appreciate it. So I came up with, does this matter? Okay. I have three questions for you here. And I want you to tell me if you believe that these three things matter. Can you do that for me? I will certainly try my best. All right. To tell you what matters. Well, I really appreciate that, Mr. Rinaldi. So here is number one. The USA basketball team lost to France in the FIBA World Championship quarterfinals for the first time in what feels like ever. The USA basketball team will not medal at the FIBA World Championships. Mr. Rinaldi, does that matter? It does not matter, Andrew. It's the, only the FIBA. I mean, let's be real. Team USA... It was tough to even. I would say it was, it was tough for Greg Pop, Coach Popovich to field the team, uh, you know, let alone get the guys to really try to play, uh, you know, hard ball. It's the summer. The guy. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. It's a team full of NBA stars. We should not have lost to France. Uh, France had about four or five NBA guys on the roster, so I'm not going to say it was a complete shock. Uh, there's some good guys. Rudy Gobert, uh, my guy Frank Nilakina apparently had a, had a great game. You know, Nicholas Batum has been in the NBA for you know a long time, so he's he, you know he's well respected. So, you know, Evan Fournier. So Team France has a lot of good players, uh, and Team USA was is young. It, you know, it, it wasn't our main group of guys. And frankly, come next year in Tokyo when it's the uh, Olympics, that's when the basketball really matters. And I'm pretty sure we'll take home gold in that. If we lose in that, then I'll worry. Then it'll matter. But for the FIBA, I'm just more disappointed that you know we lost and now we got to play in the fifth for the fifth round consolation game against, I think, Turkey. So, I mean, it is what it is, Andrew. It is, and I completely agree. It does not matter. No one cares about the FIBA World Championships. I'm sorry, but that's just the truth. Okay, number two, kind of broad, but not. a lot. Some allegations have come out about Antonio Brown, some very bad activity with a, with a female, former friend of his and former trainer, some really bad text messages, some kind of very inappropriate stuff from Antonio Brown, plus what has gone on with him, and you had mentioned it in the open, with the Oakland Raiders. He hasn't even, didn't even play a game with them, ended up getting released, signs with the Patriots. Do the actions that Antonio Brown are portraying to the world, do they matter? I think the only thing that matters is that this guy gets some help. I mean, he seems to be all over the map. I don't know what happened to him. I, I think it was a hit on, from Bontez Perfect when he was in Pittsburgh. I mean, literally knocked the screw loose. Because by all accounts, you know, whatever he did see on Hard Knocks, you know, whenever he did, he was interviewed prior. And he seemed like a pretty stand-up guy, you know. He's got two kids at home. They were they were adorable on Hard Knocks, running up and down the field, you know, asking where Ben Roethlisberger was. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, but, I mean, with these, these allegations, I mean, 
it's a civil lawsuit right now, so I don't want to jump to conclusions. It's not a criminal one. So it looks like this chick just wants a payday. Obviously, she's heard AB's name in the news. Uh, clearly, she doesn't. She really not paying attention because he just lost thirty million dollars. I mean, sure, he signed. I think for nine million, whatever it was, with the Patriots this year, and a twenty million guarantee next year if the Patriots sign him. But I think it's a money grab. You know, I'm not gonna. What what was said, what happened is, is between you know, only two people know what happened: Antonio Brown and the female counterparts. So until that all comes out. Uh, I, I'm not going to pass judgment on Antonio Brown. I, I think he's a knucklehead. He's got a few screws loose. Uh, if I was a Patriots, I wouldn't have touched him. Uh, but again, you know, talent speaks, Andrew. Uh, and I think if the Patriots didn't sign him, there was three or four other teams right on right on the docket, ready to go and give AB, you know, whatever he wanted to be part of their team. So I'm going to say these allegations matter, but it, it matters more to, for this man to get help. I agree with that 100%. And in no other sport like football does talent kind of overtake the actual character of the person. It's super disappointing, but it's something that we've seen a multitude of times in the NFL. Okay, last one for you here, and I have some commentary that I'm going to read for you on this one as well. Kevin Durant made some comments in an interview about Oklahoma City, and he said this, I eventually wanted to come back to the city and be a part of that community and organization. But I don't trust nobody there, Durant said of OKC in the interview. That shit must have been fake, what they was doing. The organization, the GM. I ain't talked to none of those people. Even had a nice exchange with those people since I left. End quote. Mr. Rinaldi, do those comments matter? Wow, that's just some serious allegations that Mr. KD's pulling on his old, this former team. I mean, KD is another interesting cast. I would say his comments matter in that he keeps he keeps a record of everybody who does does him wrong, and you know he'll, he'll let you know about it. You know he just wants to he just wants to play ball and hoop because he, he was complaining about how he never fit in in Golden State. It was always him and the Golden State Warriors. He, was, he felt like he never fit in with the team and what have you. So to me, it seems like KD is really, uh, really a fragile, fragile individual, uh, and everything that he reads and all the papers that, that talk about him, he takes to heart and he keeps a, a, a tally, uh, a laminated list, if you will, of people that he wants to get back at. And Sam Presti is number one on that list. I think Russell Westbrook maybe number two, and, and, and Draymond Green's number three. <laughs> it's like that guy from Billy Madison who's got the. <laughs> Oh, not going to kill that. Good thing I called that guy. Good thing I called that guy. That's exactly what I'm thinking of right now. That's exactly what I'm thinking about right now. Did you like Does This Matter, Mr. Rinaldi? I did. Andrew, I love all the, all the gizmos you come up with for this, for this podcast. You are the... You are the engine that makes this thing move. Up. I appreciate it, and but without the Dab Podcast, there's no Wide World of Rome. So the Dab Podcast is the engine that created Wide World of Rome. Isn't that just a beautiful thing? What a family we are! It's exciting. Cross pollination. It's dangerous. One day we'll be on Sirius Satellite. Look out! And all those all those Dab Podcast supporters from the beginning, they'll be there with us. Hey, we talked a little bit about baseball. We've referenced a little bit about football, and now I'm going to give you the opportunity. To, as you say, speak about a little bit of football, Mr. Rinaldi, where are you going around the NFL right now? Where am I going around the NFL? I want to jump right into the best game of the weekend, Andrew. And it happened Monday night when you're New Orleans Saints and Houston, Texas. Yes. Did you see that? Unreal. Oh, my God. You know, I was watching it. I was, like, I was really impressed with the Texans. I mean, Deshaun Watson, 
if that dude can play 16 games, I mean, look out, NFL. I mean, this kid is, he's got the arm. He obviously has a leg. The dude's just a winner. I think he's, I think he lost three games his entire college career at Clemson. Won a national championship. I think he's only lost, I think, seven games total for the Houston Texans in the games he does play. So the dude just finds ways to win. And you saw him come right down the field after Drew Brees, you know, they scored that touchdown and they go up. And, and I think it was two plays and, like, I mean, they scored too quickly, but I think it was two plays, like 33 seconds, 75 yards. It took the lead. And, of course, they lose it, but that's a whole other thing on the coaching. Uh, but I was just – I was really impressed. And, I mean, what more can you say about Hall, future Hall of Famer Drew Brees? Oh, uh, man. Like 49, come from, behind, come from behind wins, I think, in his career so far. He's so poised in those positions. And to me, Ant, it's like I feel like I was watching – a real preview of two teams that when we're talking about the last four teams remaining in the NFL, those could be two of the teams. And for me, it felt like now defensively, both teams have a lot to be desired moving forward. But of the games that were played this weekend, those felt like two of the most polished teams of the terrible football that was week one of the NFL season. Yeah. And I mean, listen, the Saints were struggling that first half. I think it was, I think the I think Texas rattled up a twenty one ten lead or something like yeah. that. They were up they were up good, but you know typical NFL style, you know, no lead is safe. Uh, but to me that was just bad defense. I mean, every team does it and it drives me crazy, Andrew. Every time I see it happen as it's unfolding, I, I kick and scream, my sports direct kicks in, yeah. I'm yelling at the T V. Like, why do you go to that stupid Tampa two prevent defense. So dumb. And you have three, you have three down linemen, and you get no pressure on the quarterback. He has all day to throw it, and your twenty, your safeties are twenty yards behind the wide receivers. And that cushion, you know, Drew Brees did not need, you know, he he know exactly what Will Lutz's distance was. He knew where he needed to be. It's a dome, so there wasn't much, you know, weather to to deal with. I mean, and there, there was a fifteen yard cushion on these wide receivers. It was I was so missed at the TV. I was throwing pillows because I don't want to break my, you know, flat screen TV. It was just and every team does it. It's not just the Texans, but I feel like every team when they have that lead and a minute to go, no timeouts, the other team just marches on the field by throwing little ten yard, fifteen yard out routes, and then you know, spiking the ball. And you got. And you would think you would know, if you're Romeo Cornell, the defensive coordinator for the Texans, that this is one of the best kickers in the NFL, in, not only just in the NFL, but also inside a dome, which is his home field. The dude is long, is 57, now at 58 because he made that 58-yarder. And I just I just couldn't believe it. And you just uh, what I did really appreciate, though, was the good quarterback play on both sides. And then that brings me to my next point, which is I know in the first half he didn't look that good, but and I was super impressed by Kyler Murray in that game against Detroit. I know it ends in a tie, which kind of stinks, but in the first half, Kyler Murray looked a little overmatched, but in the second half, the adjustments that Kingsbury, Kyler, and that offensive unit made for Arizona, I'm excited to see him in Week 2 because I really think there's something special there. I'm going to flip it on you, Andrew. Does it matter that he's five foot eight? No. Not at all. And you know why? Because he's so athletic. He can throw from multiple angles. And as you saw in the second half, when you get the pocket moving a little bit, and he uses those legs, not necessarily to run or to break pressure. Yes, that helps because his offensive line's terrible. But B, when Kingsbury really allows him to move outside the pocket, it's beneficial. So, yeah, I don't think it matters that he's 5'8", because I think what matters is that he understands how to play at a smart 5'8". Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. I mean, 
you're right. And the NFL is, is, is changing. You know, obviously, it's more offensive uh, rated. So uh, the, the days of the six foot four pocket, you know, pocket present quarterback is is long gone. And you see guys like Drew Brees. Russell, I mean, Drew Brees doesn't run, but you know, Russell Wilson. You know, even Pat Mahomes, I think, is like six foot one. He's not really a big guy. And, it, and obviously, um, Kyler Murray, he can't be a sniff over five foot nine, if that. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. And I don't know. It's only week one. I'm not going to play overreaction on week one. But I do think that maybe after week one, you got to give Cliff Kingsbury a little bit more credit than maybe most people did giving him as a college coach switching to the NFL. That's just my opinion. I'm curious to see week two. But we'll see, man. We'll see. But I think something fun's going to happen in Arizona over the next three years. And, again, it's not an overreaction from one week because I did believe it. And you know I believed it. I was a big Kyler Murray guy, but I think I wasn't as sold on Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, yeah, listen, when you when you get fired from your eight from your you know offensive coordinator position, then all of a sudden you get a head job in the NFL. It's like hello, red flags. But Arizona is going to be an interesting storyline. Obviously, that terrible O line. There's some weapons that that Kyler Murray can definitely benefit from. You know, old Memphis Gerald turned the clock back. He looked like a stud. Uh, he's still doing his thing. I think he's in the league for about 16 years or so. Right? Yeah. But what this has to this has to bother you to to your core, Andrew, as a coach and as a ball player. But what's up with your Miami Dolphins, dude? And, and they're and texting their their agents, get me out of here. I mean, after one game, like that's. I mean, what kind? Of, I mean, what kind of NFL is this? Where these guys are so soft that they, obviously it's a rebuild, but I mean. They just want to burn town, like get out of town. Like, what is that? Steve Young said it the best. I heard him on an interview the other day that said, "What we're learning is football players are becoming more like basketball players, where they believe that they can make demands because they know they have a clock and they have to take advantage of their limited time in the NFL. So these big level players are starting to make demands. But what's happening is because they're starting to make demands." Now you start to hear stuff like you hear in Miami where they have one terrible game, they lose by 49, and now other guys, no matter who they are, are apparently calling their agent. And I know Minka Fitzpatrick, who is probably now the best player on the Miami Dolphins, came out and said, I didn't ask for a trade. I didn't say I wanted to leave. But I think what it is, Ant, is a reflection of the coaching staff and the general manager and what they're doing down there. Listen, I trust Greer. I trust Flores. I do. But at the same time, when you're shipping out dudes after four weeks of the preseason, you're not giving a lot of faith to the guys in that locker room. And then you come out, and that's what you perf- what happens. That just tells me that those guys were not super motivated to play football for that staff. And something in that building needs to change. And it better change quick. Because you got Tom Brady and the New England Patriots and a fresh now week two playing Antonio Brown coming in to Miami, and if you lost by 49 to the Ravens, I think it's like, what's the spread now? Like 17 points right now for that game? You better wake it up. I mean, for a road team to be a 17 and a half point favorite, it's unheard of. And, it, I mean, the, the Dolphins are sucking for Tua. That's kind of been their, you know, under the radar. That's kind of what their, their game plan is going to be. Um, but to me, I mean, do you think you think they start Fitzpatrick again because they know that probably Rosen probably gives them a better chance to win, but they don't want to win. Well, yeah, and I think also if you don't start Rosen, like if you start Rosen, you're winning the potential two or three games that you're winning, and if you 
do start Rosen, you're potentially winning the two or three games. I don't think it changes much. So what I think the plan is, and this is my interpretation of it, you start Fitzpatrick, you play him for as long as you can so that you give the fans in the losing something to look forward to. Well, you know, they haven't played Josh Rosen yet. Maybe when Josh Rosen comes in, A, we play better, and B, it gives us an opportunity to believe for the future. Whether that's what they're thinking or not, because they could be thinking we want Tua, we want one of these other guys coming out, the dude from Oregon, Herbert. Maybe that's what they're thinking. But by not playing Rosen yet, you give people something to look forward to. It's almost like, well... And Pat Shermer kind of ruined it by playing Daniel Jones on day one. But it's kind of that same thought process. Like, you know, Giants fans weren't too happy about Eli Manning. Now, he granted, he looked really good week one. But they weren't too happy coming into the season with that. And it became a conversation of, when's Daniel Jones going to play? That's, I believe, the same narrative that they're trying to create in Miami. Hey, we're going to go with Fitzpatrick. But now there's a little bit of hope on the back end for these fans that say, hey, if this team is 0-5 after five weeks, hey, we still haven't played Josh Rosen yet. That could be positive. I'm glad you brought up, brought up my New York football giants. I want to start a fire, Pat Shermer. Oh, God. <laughs> what the heck? I, was, I, I didn't have expectations of beating the Cowboys. Fire defensive coordinator. <laughs> no, nah, listen, listen, it's tough to – I mean, listen, when when your groceries are, are the rotten fruits and vegetables that you have, it's tough to make, you know, some, some healthy out of that. But I'm not going to blame Fetcher just yet. My, my, I didn't think we were going to beat the Cowboys. You know, when you look at that roster – they're going to be a really dirt, dangerous team uh, come January, December. Those Cowboys. So I didn't, I didn't think the Giants were going to win. But for your best player, hands down, in I don't know, probably 15, 20 years, for him to only touch the ball fifteen times is a freaking joke. Yeah, and that's got to change. Give him, hands him the ball on third and one or fourth and one. Yeah, and to to roll out a thirty-eight-year-old immobile slow-ass quarterback to make him throw on the run. I, I mean, you are just – this is just coaching suicide. Yeah, it's not smart. And and then another thing that blows my mind, why bring in Daniel Jones with a minute 45 to go in a game when you're down three scores? Yeah, I saw a good opportunity. <laughs> what is he going to learn from a, a – it, it was like a fifth preseason game. The Cowboys were playing a cover two, a vanilla team. They weren't really rushing them. I mean, yeah, they got a fumble on them, so I was at – that kind of concerns you, but it is what it is. He's young. He's going to make mistakes. If you want to see the kid in action, in meaningful action, start him at the 10-minute mark in the fourth quarter. You know, the Giants are down 35-10. You know, let him get actual game, you know, the feel for the game when the game still was not in hand but still meant something to the Cowboys. Like, once the Cowboys saw that Daniel Jones was coming in with under two minutes, like, it was just, it was just like, let's just throw him in there. Like, what did he learn? Nothing. I agree. Like, I just... For me, Pat Sher- I mean, he still had his head in his ass week one. Like, he wasn't ready. I don't know if it's his stupid facial hair. He's not shaving. I don't know what he's doing. But to me, he just he did not he does not know the room. He doesn't know his audience. And frankly, if I'm if I'm Pat Sherman, gentlemen, listen, just trade Eli to Jacksonville now. Get somebody for him. Get some kind of defensive player for him, and just start thinking of Jones. Like let's just. Let's speed the process up. I mean, what are we doing here? Yeah, it's almost like the part of the game plan for the New York Giants going into this weekend was, okay, we're going to try and find an opportunity to get Daniel Jones in. Not, let's try and get the ball in Saquon Barkley's hands as much as possible and win this football game. And we're going to try and deceive the other team? No, dude. Who is – this is the – 
Marshawn Lynch theory, Seattle Seahawks losing the Super Bowl to the Patriots. Give the football to your best player. Let him run it down the gut. I'd rather go stopped at the goal line twice, putting the ball in Saquon Barkley's hands, than giving it to some dude. I don't even I didn't even know fullback still even existed in the NFL. And then, like you said, rolling out your nearly 40-year-old quarterback to the right-hand side. When, by the way, if you didn't know this, Pat Shermer and staff, the Dallas Cowboys are extremely fast going east to west as a defensive football team. One of the fastest in the NFL. They fly. Their linebacking core flies. So unless you have Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, or Russell Wilson, don't roll out anybody against that team unless unless it's a play action left or right and you're going the opposite direction. I, I couldn't agree more. I am super curious and to see what the Giants pull out in their home opener against a really good Buffalo Bills defense. I want to get Alfred Hitchcock's opinion on his New York football Giants. I think I maybe Pat Shermer, his idea to roll out Eli to get him hurt so he could play his boy Daniel Jones. Who knows? Eli's not his guy. You know, he, he, they didn't draft Eli. They were given Eli. Uh, so I, I really think that, you know, that they want to see as much Daniel Jones as they can this year. Um, and frankly, I, as I, I agree, I need to see it. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen. We should be. Able, I think. I think we could be. You could be. I think you could be Buffalo. Obviously, watching them play the Jets. Now, talk about a, a panel of two halves. They look completely lost in the first half. And you know, they 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 figure it out. Uh, but until the Giants get any any assortment of defense, they are just gonna, they're gonna have to score thirty points a game just to, to, to just compete. That's it. It's gonna be like shootout football, but. The one positive thing, Ant, is Eli Manning, in my opinion, I think it's a positive, looked really good. Looked healthy, looked like the ball was coming out of his hand well, and he looked like, for the first time in about three years, he felt semi to pretty comfortable behind his offensive line, and to me, that is a huge positive for this football team. Listen, he, Eli Manning only, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of faults with him, but his, his main, main bugaboo is he never had time. Like, he, he literally was on his back and in 2.3 seconds. So it's tough to get any plays off. If your wide receivers aren't getting any depth on their routes, if they aren't getting off the, off the block. And look, Sterling Shepard, concussion protocol, he's gone next week against the Bills. So I have no idea who's going to catch balls for the Giants. So Evan Ingram. It's, it's really, yeah, it's really, number one fantasy tight end, hopefully. I mean, it, it, the team is just full of holes. It, it is what it is. This, this year's going to be a struggle. We're, we're, look, we're, we're smack, smack dab staring at 4 and 12, 3 and 13 right in the face, which sucks. Uh, but going back to your point about Eli, I mean, yeah, Eli, Eli will probably, you know, he is, I think, the eighth or ninth most, he has the most touchdowns in basketball history. Obviously, he's, he's compiled that in his 16 year, in his illustrious 16 year career. But, I mean, if given due time, he is a more than capable quarterback. But the, the Giants have, have, have never or have yet to really, you know, bought the right groceries for their team and they kind of just do things you know hodgepodge and they kind of have to get lucky in the playoffs and have have you like carry but for me i got to number eight man it's number eight team now bucks versus carolina panthers thursday night football does that interest you at all sure it's football it's only week two uh i'll be i'll be falling asleep in my yankee doubleheader so i'll flip it on i'll flip it on later this evening to check it out the panthers did play Uh, pretty well against the uh the la rams lost by three yeah, uh, that was a, that was a surprise game. You know, the Rams, West Coast team coming east, playing early. I thought maybe Carolina might have snuck one there. Uh, I'm interested to see how Cam Newton. Obviously, he's still a little banged up, but he's coming back. I mean, how good is Christian McCaffrey? Oh my God, I mean, that guy, <laughs> that dude. See, he touches the ball 20 plus times, and look what happens. Yeah, 
hundred percent. You just got to feed him the ball. And, I mean, he just, he runs, he catches, he blocks. And the kid, he's like his father, uh, you know, the wide out play for Denver for all those years. So, I mean, football's in his blood. He's a standout at Stanford. So, you got to like, I believe it's Stanford. I don't know where he went to college. But, uh, listen. You're correct. Carolina, DJ Moore, I got DJ Moore. I was big on him this year in fantasy. I think I think he's got potential. I mean, old man Greg Olson. Shout out Wayne Hills or Valley. I don't know where he is in retrospect to <laughs> me, but one of, those, one of those local schools by me. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay, I think it's going to be a grease fire. I mean, Bruce Arians is trying to turn that around, but, I mean, James Winston is a turnover machine. Oh, my gosh. So, anybody, uh, you know, a fantasy alert, if you're streaming defenses, grab the Carolina defense. They'll probably get a few turnovers from famous Jameis. So always. Help you out fantasy. And Mike Evans, maybe he'll show up this week. He didn't show up for me last week. Cam Newton. Tw- yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tune in for sure. Cam Newton, 25 of 38, 239, zero touchdowns and interceptions. So uh, the, what, if, I, if I'm excited for it, I'm just excited to see, like you said, McCaffrey. And then this just to see the development, the back, the development, the, the reacclimation of, of Cam Newton. Hey, before we get to what do you got, uh, any teams uh, surprise you or, or kind of disappoint you this week or kind of just status quo because it's week one? Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers really shocked me, only scoring three points. I know you up in New England. New England's kind of owned you for the last few years. But I, I don't know. I mean, watching that game, I mean, yeah, week one. But, like, they just look lost. Like, Bad. I had no idea what was going on. Uh, James Conner Connor couldn't find any kind of openings. The defense you know, couldn't stop Tom Brady, but Tom, no one could stop Tom Brady. But to me, that was one big surprise was watching the Steelers get their butt whooped so easily. Yeah, they looked really, really bad, and I couldn't agree more. That's exactly what my, my disappointment slash surprise slash what the F just happened was. You there historically, I think, under Mike Clowman, a slow starting football team. They usually start to hit their stride in week six or week seven, but – that was a historically bad performance, and man, man, do I wish A.B. played in that game. But I was thinking about this. Was that performance as bad as both of mine and your what-do-you-got picks last week? I think it was equally as bad. <laughs> not as bad as not as bad as Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. How about that? Oh, they were terrible, and I can't yeah. wait to see them against the Jets this week. Yeah, and even the Jets were disappointed. I mean, yeah. 16-0, to lose that, to lose that to a division to a division rival when you know you needed to get that game because your your next six games are brutal. I mean, listen, Jets are staring Owen six right in the face. Right in the face. And Adam Gase, not a good second half in your first full game as the head coach of the New York Jetropolitans. I'm curious to see their bounce back, and I'm curious to see because one of those teams – it was did not expect to be 0-2 after week two, and I think more so the Browns and the Jets, but I think both teams fully expected to not be 0-2 after week two, and I have a weird feeling it might be the Browns. But we shall see. I'll tell you what, I'm not picking either of them, though, in what do you got because I got burned last week Stay with away. freaking Mitch Trubisky. Oh, dude, my Bears pick last week against the Packers couldn't have been worse. That Thursday game to start the year was terrible. Right. I, hold, hold on, i got to cut you off. Imagine being a fantasy football owner and taking Mitchell Trubisky over to Sean Watson and future Hall of Famer Pat Mahomes in a fantasy draft. Oh, wait, no, that happened in real life. I'm sorry, Andrew. You did that? No, that happened in real life. Bears, 
Oh, aha, that's funny. <laughs> I mean, but everyone did that, GM, though. Right? If you're the Bears GM, like how, I, I, listen, Mitchell Trisky may have a, a great career, but to watch those two young guys right now, Deshaun Watson and, and Pat Mahomes, and to see your guy, you got to be kicking yourself all the way to your back, back and forth to your desk, because that's just... And I, I sold high on Mitchell Trubisky this year, and I even sold high on him last week on my what do you got pick. I said he was going to go 26 of 32, 313, and two TDs. He went 26 of 45, 228, and an interception. So his bounce back week two will be interesting. I don't know if that was, that's as bad as your Nick Foles pick in Jacksonville. I picked, I picked Garner Menchie out of Killer. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, I wrote that down wrong, I think. Yeah, that's my fault. Yeah, you're right. So you were two and all my fault. Let me change that. No, (laughs) you chose him against Hall of Famer. Yeah, right. You chose me against Hall of Famer Pat Mahomes, and he didn't even complete the game. So we both went 0 and 2. So just to give you an update, I'm 58 and 57. I've been 0 and 6 in my last three weeks, and you're 51 and 64. And that was another opportunity for you to gain ground, but unfortunately, you did not. So, do you have a better pick this week? If so. Mr. Rinaldi, what do you got? Do I have a better pick? Probably not, Andrew. I'm struggling <laughs> to make smart decisions. Um, I had a myriad of options. I wanted to rock the Saints-Rams game. That looks like it's going to be a fun shootout. Um, but I'm, I'm actually, I just saw a game, and I brought it up earlier. I want to see him bounce back. But let's go, because and, and this other team, this other team won week one, but they didn't really uh, show me anything, and I'm surprised. How close that game was. So we're going to go to the Sunday jump off. One o'clock. Seahawks versus Steelers. Wow. I want to see the Steelers come back from that horrible, horrible Sunday night game where they got their doors blown off. And frankly, for Seattle, only to score 21 points and win by one point against the Bungles, that was an interesting game for me as well in week one. But for me, I got to rock the hometown, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those Yinzers are going to get it done. And I'm going to rock I'm gonna rock James Conner for a huge bounce back game. You know, my man is, is, is cancer free. You know, God bless that. You know, he came back last year, was a stud. Filled in admirably for Le'Veon Bell. Didn't miss a step. And I think week two, he's going to go off. He's going to have 128 yards and not one. But two rushing TDs, Andrew. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win 28-21. And not, they're not going to write the ship, but they're definitely going to figure it out and get back in the winning ways. And let's go, Andrew. Let's roll with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like it, Mr. Rinaldi. I like it a lot. And I I think that the key to that offense is going to be their running game. It always has been. So I'm curious to see uh, that James Conner bounce back. Fantastic pick, sir. Threw a little curveball at you, Andrew. I know we talked about something else, but... Now I want to hear what what you got. Well, I'm better on the podcast at hitting curveballs than I was in actual baseball. So that's a positive. So if you throw them in this realm, I feel like I recognize them a little bit better. I'm not throwing you a curveball. I'm telling you exactly what I told you earlier. I'm choosing the Cardinals versus the Ravens. Sunday, 1 p.m. jump off, and I'm picking Kyler Murray. I just told you before, and I'm going to tell you again, I'm super stoked about this way the way this guy played week one. I'm selling high on Kyler Murray. I don't care about his size. I think he can be a good NFL quarterback, and for some reason, after that, really after that second half week one, I think that Kyler Murray 
can continue to improve as an NFL quarterback, and him and Cliffs Kingsbury can really continue to do some special things offensively. Plus, I picked the Ravens to win the Super Bowl. They played a terrible Dolphins team. I want to see what the Ravens are all about. I'm picking the Cardinals and Kyler in this game. I kind of don't know why. Maybe it's because I am selling high on Kyler, but... Really, if the Ravens are as good as they should be, they should be coming out of this week 2-0. So I think it's going to be a good matchup from both sides. The interesting Kyler, and from me picking the Ravens as my Super Bowl contender, I do really want to see what type of team they are. I got Kyler Murray going 20-32 for 32 with 262 yards and two TDs. They're going to be, I got that as two total TDs. I think one could be on the ground and one could be through the air. But then I got him having another 54 on the ground. So a total of over 300 yards in the game, and I think he's going to have a really solid game. And I, I think that we're going to see another week's worth of improvement from him. And, a Ant, on the flip side, you and I talked about this, the continued development of Lamar Miller. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, not Lamar Miller. Wow, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Lamar that's Miller that's hasn't been healthy points. in that's years. a 14-point spread for your Cardinals. Yeah, big, yeah. for your boy, Ty. Listen, I only I, I, listen. I think the pick of them winning might be a little extreme for me, but I don't think the pick of Kyler Murray playing well is that extreme. I know Baltimore usually is historic for having great defenses, but I just I do am starting to trust what they're doing offensively down there, and I do think that you're going to see the next step in his development. They have a lot of lot of football on the docket this weekend, and playoff baseball is here, Andrew. It's exciting. It is as one one. I mean, I think hockey starts and basketball starts in like two weeks. Hockey never stops, all, at least in my opinion. All, <laughs> all sports, all sports collide come fall time, and it's the best time of year, Andrew. All sports are a go. Episode eighty-one was definitely a go. It has been a blast, Mister Rinaldi. Do you have anything for the people before we get out of here? No, I just want to say that again. The acts on September eleventh, two thousand one, will never be forgotten, and. I, I just hope that everyone, uh, I'll, like I said, I will post that video of Wells, the red bandana. Uh, I, I, I encourage you to watch it. It's just an all-around great dude, a hero. Uh, ran up and down, you know, back up to the, up, up and down 17, 25 steps to, to bring people to safety. Uh, and frankly, as bad as September 11th was, like I said, September 12th was a great day in our nation's history because we came together as one nation, as one people, no color, no race, no political background, nothing. It was all just let's let's figure out how we can save each other and get back together, get back on our feet. And it was a beautiful thing, Andrew. And we are super lucky and super fortunate to be doing what we're doing and being essentially alive in this free country because of the people that have sacrificed their lives both on that day and in our country's history. And we thank them to the nth degree. This has been the DAB Podcast episode number 81 i am of course your host andrew romanello that of course is my partner mr anthony rinaldi we are going to be signing off until next week's on episode 82 remember get us on anchor.fm send us a voicemail hit us up on the tweeter on the gram whatever it is we want to hear from the people we appreciate you and we will talk to you later Me gusta así, pa, pa, me gusta así, pa, pa, me gusta así.